All of God's people said, we've been blessed. Well, I was thinking about uh, those two songs, and I was thinking about you, especially you with children, especially you that may be around people today uh, that do not believe what we believe about Jesus, that surely, surely before the day was out, uh, you would tell them about why this day is so special. What makes this day such a divine day? That you would take time to read uh, the story that I've read and the story that we've heard from the first uh, radio broadcast. And uh, surely uh, tell them uh, about the most important uh, line that they could get in would be a line to follow the Lord Jesus Christ and to be saved. So don't miss the opportunity, uh, especially around family that uh, do not normally attend church. It is a divine day, and as we've led up to this uh, message this morning, I've thought about uh, the, the hustle and the bustle, and some child that might think, uh, why all the hustle and bustle? Where's the line to see Jesus? And that's the most important present. So I've, I'm titled today's message, What About This Baby in a Manger? We've been asking questions, and uh, what, do you th- what do you say of this Christ? Whose son is he? And So I wanted to ask another question this morning. What about this baby in a manger? Who is he and what's it all about? And I've read the the Christmas account, and we've heard it on radio, so I'm not going to read it again. Uh, We're going to look at it verse by verse, but we're not going to read it again. But we have been studying in Matthew for some time, and in Matthew we're about to go to chapter 23, And you know we're just a few short days from Jesus' death on the cross. But this morning, we're taking time to go back 33 and a half, 34 years and looking at the very birth of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Now, I want you to to understand this. This This is a historical fact that He was born. Just as a historical fact that He lived. And it's a historical fact that he died on the cross. It's a historical fact that he was risen from the dead. But sometimes we forget about this and we don't give it the uh, significance that we need to give it. So this morning, we're going to look at what about this baby in the manger? Uh, That's what we see and uh, that's what uh, a lot of people think about Christmas. So in Matthew chapter 21... 22, 41 through 46, where I'm preaching right now, and I've got one more Sunday on it. Uh, we're talking about the two questions. How can, he be the son of, how can he be the son of David? And also, how can he become, be, be David's Lord? So, we are looking in that passage that Jesus being God come in the flesh, and yet also a descendant in the line of David. Now, Jesus is presently at, the God, at God's right hand, amen, today, presently, he is at God's right hand, and he's ruling, are y'all ready for this, over things in heaven and on earth. It looks out of control, but let me rest assured, he is guiding it in his pre-planned direction and bringing it to an end that's going to bring him all the glory and the honor. All the glory and honor. So, all of this that's going on 
being of God's doing and allowing. It's clear that it's not up to us whether Jesus Christ will be Lord or not. Jesus Christ is Lord, and He is on His throne today. Jesus is Lord because God Almighty has made Him such. Now listen, we can reject His Lordship as much of the world is, and we will be crushed by Him for eternity. He will put all His enemies under His feet. And that's what we are. We are an enemy of Christ Jesus unless we are a follower of Christ Jesus. And we will be considered at the judgment an enemy of God, which we were all at one time. We can submit to Him in humble faith and belief. We can acknowledge Him as our Lord and serve Him and be blessed by Him. Or the other alternative is to be cursed by Him. Those are the two options. Now, we looked last week at Mary, the mother of Jesus. Now, tell me how hard it would be unless she was supernaturally uh, given direction by the Spirit to make this statement. This is the very mother of Jesus, the mother that carried him in the womb, the mother that birthed him, the mother that was going to nurse him. Listen to what she said herself. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. That's what Mary herself called Jesus. But, but let's be honest today, and Bob spoke a little bit about this. In, a, in America in 2022, in Western Europe, all of the Western world this day, listen carefully, most people's image of Jesus is not a reigning king and a soon-coming judge of all kind, but, but if they have any concept of Jesus at all, it's this baby in a manger. A baby in a manger is pretty innocent. Not very threatening, correct? And if there's any concept in, in, uh, secular, in the secular world, it would be this baby in a manger. A Savior, if we could call Him such, as the secular world might do, but a Savior that would only be considered one day a year. That's the only time we think about Jesus is on his birthday. It's a warm, fuzzy, sentimental picture. This baby in a manger. And really, it's a feel-good picture. Who can't look at the baby in the manger and not smile over it? <clears throat> Jesus hanging on the cross is another sentimental picture. You with me? It's something we can look at. But let me tell you, Jesus is not in a manger today. And Jesus is not on the cross today. He is Jesus who came to die, to be buried, to be resurrected, to ascend to heaven, and to occupy His throne prepared for Him by Almighty God. That is present. 
Now, it doesn't appear to be that way. But let's rest assured from the witness of Stephen, who was being martyred, what Stephen said. He said in Acts 7.55, But he, full of the Holy Spirit, about to die for his beliefs in Christ, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at his right hand. That's reality. That's the present. But what about the future? There is a future. And here's what John 5, 26 through 29 says about the future. Now, I love this scripture, and y'all have heard it from me many times, and I really like verses 24 and 25, uh, because verse 24 and 25 talks about that day in which those who are spiritually dead have an opportunity to be made alive spiritually. That day is among us, and that day will be among us until we die or until Christ returns. But there is a future day. And listen to what John chapter 5, verse 26 through 29 says about that. For as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son also to have life in himself. And that's what he's talking about in the verses, two verses before. He has the ability to give us spiritual life. Verse 27, and he has given him authority to execute judgment. Because He is the Son of Man. He is coming, and the next time He comes in the flesh, He's going to set up on the throne of judgment. Do not marvel at this, for an hour is coming when all who are in the tombs will hear His voice. Do you hear that? All that are in the tombs. There's no opt-out. All that are in the tombs will hear His voice and come out. Those who have done good to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of judgment. Now, when we talk about those who have done evil, I know what a lot of people in America are thinking, I'm not an evil person. But you've got to remember now, the Scripture says, unless we are a follower of Jesus, a believer in Jesus, we're an enemy of Jesus. So, we are all evil if we have not believed in Jesus because we've rejected Him and we've continued being an enemy of the Lord Jesus Christ. So listen again. Those who have done good to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of judgment. There is a judgment coming. Just as uh, it's historical what's happened to Jesus in the past, and let me just ask you all of the prophecy that Bob spoke of that happened 700 years part of his, his coming. How much of that prophecy about what was going to happen then has not happened? It's all happened except the last thing he's got to do. So if it's all happened up until this point, do you not see that what's said that he's going to do at the end time is going to happen? It's going to happen. So this morning, let's just do a little survey of history as we look at this baby in a manger. And I want to go to the context of Luke chapter 2, and I also want to go to one of those Old Testament prophecies that Bob spoke about. So in Luke chapter 2, we have the birth of Christ. 
We have an angel bringing news which is accompanied by the praise of a multitude of heavenly hosts. You know what? You know what we got to do this morning? We got to have a little uh, rehearsal. Are y'all with me? For joining that great multitude of hosts in heaven singing praises to the birth of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. I, I, I haven't appreciated it in the past, but I picked up on it this time. There's one angel that came and told the shepherds. The next time we hear the angels, there's a multitude of angels. And we get to join that group this morning. Amen? Praise the Lord, we get to join that group. And then Luke 2, 15 through 20 talks about the shepherds finding it to be as the angels had told them. And they went about telling what they had been told and glorifying God. Micah 5, 2 is one of those prophecies that talks about in Bethlehem, in the city of David. But you, O Bethlehem Ephrathah, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from old, from ancient days. Now here's what I want us to look at this morning. He, Jesus, has really been with us from the beginning. And we've looked at this somewhat um, in, in our study of the Scripture, and I'm so blessed that we're studying in Answers in Genesis, and uh, it's, it's such a good group to uh, study under and to follow. And, and they have this uh, seven seas of history. And uh, I so appreciate, and I want you to get to the place of it, the, their, those seven seas of history are so beneficial, are y'all with me, in putting it all together. So this morning, I want to look at the seven seas of history as we put together the fact of this. Listen carefully. God began the process with Adam and Eve of dwelling with them. Amen? And His plan was always to be with His people and to dwell with His people. So in the Old Testament, we had some appearances of which Jesus came to be among His people. We're going to look at those this morning. And we also got to the place that when Christ came, and Christ was here, He ascended back to heaven. He had to do that so He could send the Holy Spirit. Amen? And so now, by the Holy Spirit of God, Christ does dwell, not, not here physically in, in, in this, uh, this world or this country that we're in, but spiritually He dwells with His people. I, I love the picture in our gospel presentation of when they set up the tabernacle when they were camping uh, out, out in the wilderness when they, when they settled in, they always put the tabernacle right in the center of the camp. And I love the significance that the t- Scripture teaches us that God has, a di- God has a desire to dwell with His people. Listen, and that, that desire to dwell with all of His people is going to be brought to a consummation. It's going to happen. God will dwell with His people and we want to be one of those people and will dwell with them eternally forever. That was His plan from the beginning and it's going to be carried out. So let's quickly go through this. Isaiah seven fourteen. Therefore the Lord Himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son 
and shall call his name Emmanuel. And that literally means God with us. So I want us to think about that this morning. God with us. Was Jesus Christ with us at creation? Somebody say amen. Let's look at the scripture. In the beginning, God, Elohim, created the heavens and the earth. Father, Son, Holy Spirit included in the Elohim. Genesis 1.26. And then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. Us, a plural pronoun. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit from the beginning. Go to Genesis if you would. And you may have to go somewhere else in a minute. One that I left out and that I really meant to show you this morning. Uh, Genesis chapter 3. I'll have to find the spot. I always ask this this, uh, question in the gospel presentation uh, that that we have put together and that we do. And I want to thank the church that in 2014 we spent six months putting that gospel presentation together. And... uh, People are still being blessed by it today. Uh, Look at chapter 3, verse 8. What are we talking about? God with us, right? Okay. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord among the trees of the garden. So who was with us? Who was with Adam and Eve in the garden? The Lord Jesus Christ was among them, God with us. So let's go to the second C, corruption. Wow, corruption. When Adam and Eve broke the one rule they had and ate of the fruit in the garden, God was there. Look at Genesis 3.21. When I say God and when I'm talking about in the flesh that did something physically, I'm talking about Jesus Christ. Look at Genesis 3.21. And the Lord God did what? made for Adam and his wife garments of skin and clothed them. Who do you think brought that about? God Almighty surely had that plan and brought it about, but if somebody was in the doing of the making, Jesus Christ was there. God in the flesh who would be our sacrifice, amen, took an animal as the first sacrifice, as a picture of the Lord Jesus Christ to come in the flesh. God with us. How about at the catastrophe? How about at the the great flood? The first judgment of the world. I've so loved this scripture for some time. Uh, I I think about it often, and you've got it there in front of you. Genesis 7, 16, look at that. So, they got it all ready, right? Had Adam, or had Adam and Eve. Had Noah and his sons worked a few days on this ark. And uh, uh, they got it all ready, and... Nobody else was interested in getting the ark, right? Other than uh, Noah and Shem, Ham, and Japheth and their wives and the animals that God had brought on the ark. Nobody else was there saying, wait, 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 wait for me. They were ridiculing, right? But I want you to look at that in Genesis 7, 16. Look what happened. And those that entered male and female of all flesh went in as God has commanded them. And the what? The Lord shut them in. Now, you that have maybe missed out on our, our seeing Christ in the Old Testament. God the Father is a spirit and has not a body like man. Amen. So it wasn't God the Father that shut that door. 
I believe in supernatural power. This door was, uh, uh, and, and look, I'm not, not denying the fact that maybe these people had some engineering technology that we don't have. You know, they've got these, I, I look at them all the time. If you don't have a, if you're a guy and don't have one of these little utility trailers, you need one. I mean, there are great things you can use these little utility trailers for. But the older you get, the heavier those tailgates get, right? And so now they've got this deal. There's a little sliding bar that slides down the two rails that takes some of the weight off that tailgate. But that wasn't a little door at the back of the ark. It wasn't a three-foot door going outside. This was a huge ramp, and God closed that door. God with us. That is Christ. And, and we are so blessed that God sent him in some of these pre-incarnate situations that we might see God is with us. How about at the confusion? Genesis eleven five. You know what? They'd moved out on the plain and they'd felt, found this really nice place and they were building a city and they were building a, a, a city with a tower in it that's going to reach to heaven. Remember God said, no, I told you to go multiply the earth, not this little, this small area here. And the Lord, look at this, the Lord came down to see the city and the tower. God with us. But then we get to Christ and the text that we're looking at today. And this is, this is what it is all about. This is, this, is what, this is what Christmas is all about. It's exactly what Bob said. Christmas is all about Christ. Now look, all of these gifts that we, we, we give out, we should somewhere stop during the day and tell everyone anywhere around that these gifts, you know, just like all of those lambs and just like all the goats and just like all the oxen were sacrifices pointing to Christ. Well, all of these gifts should just be to remind us of the greatest gift that was ever given. And surely take time to, to tell your, your kids why they got all of these gifts. Surely we can do that. And you don't have to know the Scripture. You don't have to be a teacher. You don't have to be a theologian to explain that. Just talk to them about the reality of these gifts. Verse 8, and in the same region there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. This, uh, this scripture amazes me. So, you know what? They were watching over those sheep, right, out in, the, out in the, the land, right, around Bethlehem. What do you think those sheep were probably going to be used for? Sacrifices. A pretty important time. They were shepherds about the area watching over their flocks. Verse 9, And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. Christ was promised to men who by their occupation were shepherds. Now, you know anything about uh, biblical history? Uh, the Middle Eastern uh, society, shepherds weren't highly acclaimed. They were people who lived with the dirty, nasty sheep. But this is who God saw fit to proclaim Christ to first. The announcement of the birth of Jesus 
The true shepherd, amen, the good shepherd was made to lowly shepherds. The announcement was made by an angel, and it was a surprise visit. You know what a surprise visit usually does? It scares you pretty good, doesn't it? I mean, can uh, does your wife never walk in the room, and they didn't know you are in the room, and all of a sudden you say something, and if you're like me and have just a little bit of a, some kind of nature, it kind of gives me great joy that I can scare Jeannie just a bit. But, but an angel appeared and brought with him fear. The people were shook up. They were filled with great fear. The angel comes in a glorious manner, the accompaniment of, of a great blinding light. So their fear should not surprise us. Look at verse 10. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you what? Good news of great joy. Christ is the best news that has ever come to a lost sinner, which all of us either are or were. Good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Not just the Jews, but for the Gentiles, for all people. All people are sinners. And this good news came for all people. This goes back to what we've been studying about. For unto you is born this day in the city of who? David. From the lineage of David in David's hometown, the city of David, a Savior who is none other than Christ the Lord. That's what Mary exclaimed. That's what David exclaimed. Amen? Not only did he call him my Lord, said to my Lord, he called him Lord. Verse 12, and this will be a sign for you. How will you know it? You'll find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. I want you young people to know this is no myth. This really happened, and it's been recorded historically, it's been recorded in the Bible, and it's been traditionally passed down for centuries. This is no myth. This will be the sign. You'll find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and laying, lying in a manger. And then God comforts them. He did not desire that their spirits would be troubled. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. I want you to know that if you're here this morning, this is good news and it's for you. Jews as well as the Gentiles. Matthew Henry says this. Let me go back to verse 11. For in you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You'll find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. The promises of the Messiah from the house of David, from the city of David, that Messiah, the Savior, has come. And those promises were fulfilled by finding this baby lying in a manger. So they call him a Savior and, and I told Jeannie, I, I've kind of had these thoughts over the years. We probably 
tried to articulate these over the years. But this is what Matthew Henry says about what uh, Mary said, and, and he says about this scripture. Matthew Henry says, Jesus is a Savior, and He will be a Savior to those only who accept Him as Lord. Did you hear that? In other words, Mary said, Lord and Savior. And you see that often, Lord and Savior. Well, listen, if He is your Savior, you will accept Him as Lord. Now, I don't think it comes backwards and soon you accept Him as Lord and He becomes your Savior. When He is your Savior, you will be able to accept Him as Lord. And if He's not Lord, there's something wrong with your understanding of who He is. Because He is Lord. So, you know, you don't get Him to be Lord because you made Him Lord. You made Him Lord because you've come by the Spirit to understand that He is Lord. So when He came to these shepherds, you know what He's really showing us? There, there's nobody. You can't be so common, so plain, so uneducated, so poor, so, so whatever society might claim us to be. He came for the lowliest of people. That letter that I read you, that letter's from a guy in jail. And uh, did I want that guy to go to jail? No. But I want to tell you, unless I'm badly fooled, he has found a Savior while he's been in jail. And that Savior has, has absolutely cleared up his jumbled mind. That Savior has probably healed a messed up mind from drugs, legal and illegal. It's an amazing thing. What, what I read you is just a, a, a one-page taste of, uh, of what this guy is able to articulate. You know what he's doing this right now? He has put together where he's at. They had never taken the Lord's Supper before. Back during the year that he instituted doing the Lord's Supper, the most they ever had for the Lord's Supper, you've got to sign up for it. This morning, they were serving the Lord's Supper to 60 men as they celebrated the birth of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So up until Christ came, he had made these pre-incarnate. You know what pre-incarnate is? Appearances that he made in the Old Testament prior to his birth, prior to him becoming God come in the flesh. He was representing the Lord, but now he was come, are you with me, to do the work that he came to do for the Lord in the flesh and bringing about our salvation. You with me? <laughs> he was in heaven, but now he came to do for us what we couldn't do for ourselves, to keep the law, to pay that penalty, and to be our substitute on the cross. He had to do that. Verse 13, 
And suddenly there was an angel, and there was suddenly with an angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest. And look at this. On earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. There's no peace with God without Christ. And really, there's no peace among men without Christ. There, there's no common ground between enemies of God and friends of God except Christ. Nothing in common. The only thing we have in common is a, is a hostile, ugly nature without Christ that is uh, very selfish and where it's all about us. Nobody can fix that. No good deeds, no change of... Uh, uh, no anger management. No proper training is going to get a place for a man who it's all about himself not to be that way. Only Christ can do that. I love this account. The birth was published by one angel. But now we see the celebration. Don't we? Attended by a multitude of angels. You know, that's what worship ought to be on Sunday. It ought to be individuals who individually have seen Christ that comes together as a multitude to worship Him. And I may, just for this, this is just a little bit of a training period. And some of us need some extended training to worship in heaven. <laughs> but this is just a little bit of training for heaven. Aren't you going to be, there's, no, there's going to be no tone deaf, no out of key, no missing the note in heaven. It's all going to be perfect. Either that or you'll be deaf and won't be able to hear it. No, it's all going to be good. It's going to be perfect. Peace among those with whom he is pleased. God will cause there to be a peace among men through his Savior. 15 through 18, when the angels went away from them into the heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that's happened. So they've been told, right? Listen, I'm going to challenge you this morning. You've been told that there's more to this baby in a manger than gifts. It's about the greatest gift. And I just want you to go and see what I'm telling you. See if it's not the truth. See that if Jesus is not more than just a baby in a manger. See this thing that's happened, which the Lord has made known to us. Verse 16, And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in the manger. They found it just like the angel told them they'd find it. Listen to me. If you'll go search the Scripture, you're going to find out about Jesus, hopefully, just exactly what I've told you. That He is the Savior. He's the coming judge. And He is the Lord. And He is on the throne. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that they'd been told them concerning this child. Now, we could all take a little of this medicine right here. Y'all with me? We could all take just a bit of this. We could do better in telling other people about this Jesus. So you got, you got a little, let's say, for us, we got a week. We're not doing Christmas till next Saturday. 
But for most of you, come tonight, the opportunity to talk about this baby in the manger being more than just gifts. Be over with. Don't miss the opportunity to tell people what Christmas is all about. Amen? And all who heard it, and, and look, you may, share, you may share it with your kids, and probably it'll go, it'll look like it went, whoop. They're back to the logo, Legos or whatever the gift is this year, whatever the superhero is this year. I have no idea. Okay, whatever it is, they'll go back to that. But listen, how from infancy, they've known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make them wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Just what? If you're telling them the true meaning of Christmas, later on, God used that for their salvation. It was night. And they went to find the baby. And they found Mary and Joseph and the baby. They found that baby in a manger. And as soon as they saw it to be the case, they went and confirmed what they had been made known to them to others. But Mary, listen to what it says about Mary, but Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying, praising God for all that they had heard and seen as it had been told them. Now, the people on there wondered. You know, that's what Lot... Look, just share Jesus. Tell the truth that we're sinners. Christ is our substitute. He paid our penalty. He's the Savior. Tell people about Jesus. Let the Holy Spirit do the rest of it. Just put something into their mind of Scripture that God might be used. Might use. The people wondered, thinking the story of the shepherds never heard such as this. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. She pondered what she had learned from her husband and what she had heard from the angels. So the shepherds returned to care of their flocks. Now, Probably if you get saved, or most of you that got saved, you didn't become a full-time worker for Christ. Isn't it unusual that the first announcement about the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ were to these shepherds? So they go to find it to be so. They went back proclaiming the Lord, and they went back to taking care of their flocks. And I suspect, don't y'all, that as soon as they got back to taking their flocks, they quit thinking about what had happened, they zipped up their lip? Probably not. Because I promise you, when you have that kind of an encounter with Christ, even, when, even though he was a baby in the manger, and God gives you that opportunity to have that encounter, your life's going to be forever changed. And one thing it's going to change is you're going to have a great desire to tell other people about Jesus. Now, are you going to have, you know what, you're going to have more than these guys had. All they had was a baby in a manger, right? We've got all the Old Testament prophecy. And, and some of them had heard tale of this prophecy, I'm sure, but not many of them. But we got the whole story. We've got past, we've got from creation, 
to now to tell people about Jesus. So the shepherds returned to the care of their flock. You know, the disciples, the first 12, had a special call and command. And what did they do? They left their nets and their parents and they followed Christ. The shepherds were used this one time. But were they used in a great and mighty way? Absolutely. And they returned glorifying and praising God for all the things they'd seen and heard. True faith produces great joy. You with me? Great joy. Wow. Y'all pray for me. We need to put away distractions, and we need to put away what all this stuff happening in the world, and we need to keep a joyful spirit about our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So true faith produces great joy and thanksgiving for the Lord. Luke 19.10, this is talking about Christ as we finish up. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Is that what he did? Well, that's the fifth sea of history. The sixth being the cross. You know what happened on the cross? It says in John nineteen thirty, when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. So Christ came and the babe lived 33 and a half, 34 years. And then he finally did what he was sent to do. To take our place. To pay our penalty. To be our substitute. And did you know how many people needed that? All people. Jews and Gentiles. But... What did I tell you early on? He's not in the manger. Amen. He's not on the cross. He is, he is experiencing just a tad of glory. Occasionally, other than the angels, the multitude, the host of heaven, are they seeing, are they giving him the glory he deserves? Absolutely. And occasionally somebody like Stephen will see. Christ standing at the right hand of the Father. He's experiencing now just a little bit of the glory that he's going to get when he comes back as King of kings and Lord of lords and destroys this earth as we know it and creates the new heavens and new earth. But he's getting a little of it now. Consummation. That's when he makes all things wrong right. He makes it like he intended it to be. Revelation 21.1. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth did what? Did y'all hear that? Everything here except our souls will be gone. Nicest ride. Nicest threads. The nicest whatever you got. Gone. Not by water sweeping it away, but by fire. And look what it says. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. First lessons four first Thessalonians four seventeen. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. So we'll always be with the Lord where? in a new heaven 
and new earth. It's going to happen. Is that what you're trusting in? I don't know what people are trusting in. Some kind of something. <laughs> I could say a word, but I won't. I'm telling you, trusting in anything other than Christ and his plans for the future is, y'all listening? Absolute foolishness. you know what you won't understand that unless it's by the spirit because unless the spirit enables you you're going to think it's foolishness but for us joy it's hope eternal life Isaiah 7 14 therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign behold the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall name his and shall call his name Emmanuel God with us guess how long Eternity. I love the song. Is it amazing, Grace? When we've been there, what? How many years? When we've been there 10,000 years, we have just begun. We, we can't even imagine. We're so, we're so eat up with this world. We're so eat up with this world, we can't imagine how good it's going to be. You know, if we think it's just of this world, and sometimes, don't we have it too good? We are being deceived. This is nothing in comparison to being with the Lord forever. I, I, can't, I can't fathom it. Matthew 28, 20, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. Behold, I am with you, how long? To the end of the what? From the Hebrew, Emmanuel, literally God with us. He was with us 33, 34 years in the flesh. Amen. He is now with us by His Spirit in us. But He will soon be with us and forever in a new heaven and new earth. You know how quickly that's going to happen? Twinkle of the eye. You know, there's people that's got it all figured out. This is still going to have to happen before He comes. I know when He's going to come, when God sends Him. Let me ask you right now, all every one of them, and, and listen, you've been so gracious to let me preach. You've been so attentive. Listen to me. You really be attentive. But let me ask you a couple of hard questions. Do we really anticipate his return? Are we living in expectation that it's going to happen and happen immediately? Have we acknowledged Him as Savior? Have we trusted Him? Have we repented of going our way? Have we decided to go His way? Have we stopped sinning some things that He says, Thou shalt not do? And have confessed those sins and turned to Christ, not for a per perfect life, but in anticipation of living by His commands? Have we put all our faith, hope, trust, and confidence in our salvation in what Christ did and what He did on the cross? Have we got in line to see Jesus? I tell you, if you get in line to see Jesus and have a desire to see Him, God's going to reveal Him to you. Do we acknowledge Him daily as Lord, Savior, and, and look, amongst anybody, 
are we willing to say, my Lord, my Savior, and my God. Lord, we thank you for this day. We thank you for Jesus Christ. We thank you that, that uh, because of your word, this day is being celebrated throughout the world in those who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, Christ come in the flesh, who did everything we couldn't do for us, including being our substitute, being our sacrifice, paying our penalty on the cross. We thank you for that. And we thank you, dear Lord, that at the end of the service that you're not going to be through with people. And I pray that by your Spirit, you would keep up the pressure until that person who has never repented of their sins and believed in you, put their faith, hope, trust, and confidence in you, would do that today. And we thank you, dear Lord, for the opportunity to give a gift back to you and back to your church. Uh, we call it giving to the church, their offerings. We thank you, dear Lord, that because people give, the word of the Lord Jesus Christ can be carried to more, whether it's on Sermon Audio or on our website or by missionaries throughout the world. So I pray, dear Lord, that we would uh, give in proportion to what we have, that we'd give with a cheerful heart. And I pray, dear Lord, that this church would use those gifts wisely. Lord, we love you. We praise you. We thank you for this day. And it's in your son's precious name that we pray. Amen. Greet somebody before you leave. Have a Merry Christmas.